I woke up to screams coming from the children's room. I quickly ran there to see what was happening. When I got there, I saw Jamie screaming and thrashing around in bed. A while later, Steve, my boyfriend of five years and the father of my children, also came into the room. Steve went to check on Leon, who thankfully was still fast asleep despite the noise. I was with Jamie doing my very best to comfort her, but nothing seemed to be working. My actions were futile. She did not stop crying. Steve then decided to come over to her, and when Jamie saw her father, she immediately quieted down. What's the matter, princess? You had a bad dream? Steve asked in his soothing voice as he sat on Jamie's bed. Jamie had already crawled into his lap by then. I envied how Steve could get the children in check. He was always able to make the kids listen to him and obey him, unlike me. I always felt like an intruder when the three of them were together. Yes, Dad, Jamie replied. You want to tell me what happened in your dream? He probed further. By this time, I already deduced that, like always, I was going to be of little or no help in this situation, but I still stayed there just in case. You can go back to bed, love. I got this, Steve said. While other people might be grateful to go back to bed immediately, I just could not. I couldn't even be there for my daughter. I nodded to Steve and went out the door quietly. I stood outside the room for a while and listened to Jamie try to explain her dream to her father. After standing there for a while, I decided to go to the kitchen for a glass of water before I returned to bed. On my way there, I caught my reflection in the hallway mirror, and I could not help but stop and stare. All I saw were chunks and layers of fat, and I silently wondered when and how I became like this. I crossed over to the refrigerator, and for a minute, I took a look at my life, and I did not like what I saw. I was deeply rooted in this life of uncertainty and insecurity. I envied Steve and wished I was like him. He was so smart and charismatic. I didn't know why on earth he was still with me. Even I did not want to be with myself sometimes. You see, Steve was the kind of guy that everyone liked which was one of the things that attracted me to him, apart from his looks, that is. He was strong and reliable, the kind of person people looked up to in sticky situations. He was a natural-born leader, and for as long as I could remember, he was always taking care of one person or another. His mother died of a drug overdose when he was just 16 years old, leaving him to single-handedly fend for himself and his siblings. It was a tough time for all of them, but somehow Steve had managed to pull all of them through those dark times. He was like a father to his siblings, and their relationship was beautiful. Unlike me, Steve didn't have any issues with making friends. People always gravitated towards him and his welcoming demeanor. I wished I was like him in so many ways. I wished I could look past all my bad traits and make something relatively beautiful from my life. But I was stuck in this shell, and it didn't look like I was coming out anytime soon. After thinking for a while, I filled Rupert's bowl with food and decided to go back to bed so I could get up early for work. It was a Monday morning, and I had barely gotten through the weekend. The children kept screaming and shouting for the most part, and I was the only one with them. Steve had been gone on a business trip. I was ashamed of myself at how I handled the situation. 
After yelling at them a couple of times, I couldn't stand it anymore, and I went to the bathroom and locked myself inside until they slipped off. I was still thinking about this at my workstation when I heard someone call my name. Hi, Lisa, Maggie said happily. Maggie was my best friend, and she worked in the same hospital. Unlike me, she was important there, and she had her own office to show for it. Maggie was a hotshot doctor who, at 34 years old, was well-accomplished and still looked very sexy, almost as if she was still in her 20s. Unlike me, I looked older than my age, and it was depressing. Hi, Maggie, I replied. I tried to match her enthusiasm, but my voice sounded high-pitched and weird. How was your weekend? Did you have fun? I asked while wagging my eyebrows at her. Maggie always had fun weekends and would tell me all about them when we met up. Maggie even talked to me about God now and then, but I didn't believe there was a supreme being or anything like that. I mostly just listened to be polite. You bet I did, girl. I'll tell you all about it at lunch, she said as she went towards her office. Once again, I was all by myself, thinking about how little impact I had to the hospital. The rest of them, Maggie included, seemed very comfortable and happy working there, and I was barely getting along. Aside from the fact that I wasn't earning a lot, I felt that I did not have a lot to offer either. I was easily dispensable. Anyone can enter information into a computer. It wasn't as though I was satisfied with my life and how everything was going. I wanted more. I craved it, in fact, but I didn't know how to go about it. So I just kept on existing and living my sad life. Chapter 2 Lisa's Actions and Thoughts It was the 15th, and I was cringing internally. My parents were coming back to town soon, and we were to have dinner together in celebration of their 25th anniversary. Apart from having to shop for a dinner-worthy dress and doing something with my hair, I also had to endure nearly three hours with my parents over dinner, and the thought of that was not pleasant. Neither of them, especially my mother, could hide how disappointed they were in me, and it showed. For as long as I can remember, shopping was like torture to me. I stuck to a regular pattern of jeans and t-shirts, but I had to make an effort on this day. I decided on a whim to ask Maggie to go along shopping with me. I could rely on her expertise, and we could also hang out and talk for a while. I quickly sent her a text asking if she was free at the moment, and she replied in the negative, but assured me that she could come as soon as she was free. I decided to use that time to update the information of some patients on the company's system, and I was so engrossed that I didn't notice when Maggie came in. She was looking stunning, as usual, in black pants and a pink chiffon top. Her hair was pulled up in a messy bun on her head. How did she manage to pull off a classy look all the time? Hello, beautiful, she said. Maggie always called me beautiful, but even I knew I was not beautiful in any way. I was just bland. However, I had learned to accept the compliment regardless, so as not to offend her. Hello yourself, I replied, shooting her a smile. How are you doing today? I'm perfect. You wanted to see me? She asked. Yes, I need your help, Maggie, I replied. 
My parents are coming to town, and we are to have dinner together. I need help picking out a dress. I need your expertise. She already had a huge smile on her face. For as long as I can remember, she was always intent on giving me a makeover and helping me change my wardrobe. I thought you would never ask, she said with her smile still intact. When do you want to go shopping? Tomorrow, if you can. The dinner is on Sunday, I replied. No problem. Call me. We are going to have so much fun, she said in a sing-song as she walked back to her office. It was Sunday, and Steve and I went to the restaurant to meet up with my parents. We left the children with a babysitter. Steve drove. He knew how I felt about driving. I was a very slow driver and usually felt stifled behind the wheel. More often than not, other drivers yell at me to get off the road. We got there in record time, and despite having cross-checked my outfit with Maggie earlier that evening and the compliments Steve had paid me, I felt ugly and inadequate. People like Steve had it easy. He was gorgeous, effortlessly looking like a superstar. It was not so for me. The previous day with Maggie had been a nightmare. After trying on several clothes, I could feel how frustrated Maggie was with me. I could not decide on what to pick. To pacify her, I picked the next thing she chose for me and decided to call it a day for both our sakes. I doubt if she'll ever want to go shopping with me again. As for my hair, I just let Maggie and the stylist pick out whatever they wanted and went along with it. I was already tired of the whole affair, and I just wanted it to end. We were directed to a table, and my parents were there already. I could see my mother's eye run over my body as she took mental note of my appearance, and I saw her reaction. She looked disappointed. I was more or less expecting this. For as long as I could remember, there was nothing I did that they were ever satisfied with. Hi, Mom. Hi, Dad, I said as we got to the table. My dad stood up and hugged me while my mom looked on at us. Steve also exchanged pleasantries with them, and we sat down at the table. How have you been, Dave? Steve asked my dad. Unlike me, he had no issues with starting a conversation. Before long, he and my dad were engrossed in a discussion, and I was left to talk to my mother. Hi, Mom, I croaked out. Hi, Lisa. How are the children? She asked. They're fine, I replied. I see you've done something new with your hair, she said. Her tone portrayed disappointment, as usual, and I just nodded in reply. Thankfully, the waiter came that moment to give us the menus. This was another task for me. I could not pick out what to eat. I looked at everyone over the top of my menu as they rattled off their orders to the waiter, and soon enough, I was the only one left. I quickly looked at it one last time and ordered the first thing I saw on the list to save myself the embarrassment. I could only hope that I would like it. Dinner was a disaster, as usual. My parents kept picking on me about everything I did, and I could not wait to get out of there and just go home. The dress, which was a red number, was feeling uncomfortable, and I wanted nothing more than to just go home and change into something comfortable. Steve handled their comments graciously, as usual, and soon we were saying our goodbyes. The men went to bring the cars around, and I was left with my mother. See you next time, Mom, I said. Hopefully you will be more coordinated and lose some weight by then. I didn't want to say it with Steve around, but you need to. Men do not like their women looking like that. And for God's sake, do something about your hair, will you? 
I stood there, short of words to say, the tears desperately wanting to spill down my face. I decided to keep quiet. Then Steve pulled up and I hugged my father before we left. Are you okay, Lisa? Steve asked after we got on the road. You've been quiet today. Yes, I am fine, just knackered, I replied. I didn't want to recount my mother's comment to him. Soon after we got home and after changing out of my clothes, I just crawled into bed and wished I was someone my parents could be proud of and not such a mass of insecurities. Chapter three, one afternoon in the park. On a particularly horrible morning at home, I was getting the children ready for school. Leon didn't want to take his bath, and Jamie was intent on wearing her princess dress to school because it made her feel special. It took the intervention of Steve to get them to school, and I started to question my abilities as a mother, although Steve tried to reassure me that I was not a bad mother. I got to work, and even though I had a lot of information to upload to the company's database that morning, I couldn't concentrate on anything. My mind was wandering. I was really tired from all the chores I had to do at home and the constant heavy feeling of inadequacy that I had been dragging around, like my weight. Everything was starting to get to me, and I considered talking to Steve about it when I returned home that night. I was so engrossed in my thoughts that I didn't notice that I had deleted a very important folder from the database. Recently, the clinic merged with a smaller specialized clinic, and all information about the merger was in that folder. Unfortunately for me, it was the only copy. As my mind processed this information, the horror I felt was unexplainable. I wanted the ground to swallow me that moment. I forced myself to stand up and report the matter myself to Dr. Rhodes to avoid him finding out for himself and having everything pushed sideways. I got to his office and knocked on the door. Good morning, Dr. Rhodes, I said. My voice was shaky at this point. Good morning, Lisa. How are you? He asked in his kind voice. Something happened, sir, I replied, deciding to skip answering his question. What is that, Lisa? He asked, his face taking a look of concern. This morning, I was updating the information on the clinic's system and something happened, I said, wondering how I would tell him what I did. What happened? He asked. I deleted some files by mistake, I replied. Well, that is hardly anything to be worried about. I'm sure we can get them back, he replied kindly. By mistake, I deleted the merger folder, sir, I said in a hurry, and I saw his face change. What? He replied. Anger was evident on his face by then. How did this happen? That is the only copy we have. What is wrong with you? You know what? Get out of my office. Go to Human Resources. I will phone them ahead. Just get out, he bellowed. I shuffled quietly out of his office and went straight to Human Resources like he told me to. On the way there, I tried to ignore the stares that I was getting from my coworkers. As he said, he had already called them, and when I got there, I was asked to take the afternoon off while they resolved the problem I had caused. I nodded weakly and proceeded to walk to my workstation to pack my things. I turned around and saw Maggie approach my table. She had a very worried look on her face. I heard what happened, Lisa, she said. Since I was not in the mood to talk, I just nodded. 
I am very sorry. Where are you going now? Do you want me to come with you? She asked, with concern etched on her face. No, Mag, there is no need. I will be fine. I just need some time alone, I replied. I had already finished packing my things at that point, so I just waved to her and went out. I decided to call my mother to help me pick up the children from school and watch them for a while since my parents were still in town. Surprisingly enough, she agreed without asking too many questions, and I got into my car. The plan was to drive around and clear my head, but on a whim, I decided to go to the park. I reached for a blanket in the back seat and looked for a tree with enough leaves for shade. I found one easily, switched off my phone so as not to be disturbed, and just lay there thinking. Soon enough, I fell asleep, and I saw myself in the same park. Just as I was wondering what I was doing there, I heard a voice call my name. Lisa, the voice called out. I looked around, wondering who was calling me, but I did not see anyone. Yes, I replied, still on the lookout. It hurts me to see you struggle through life like this, said the voice. In the dream, I suddenly felt a heavy weight come upon me. I was so sad. I did not even realize that there were tears dripping down my face. Lisa, you have hurt for too long. I am here to take away your pain, the voice continued. Who are you? I asked amidst my tears. How do you know me? What do you want from me? I am your friend, Lisa, the voice replied. I just want you to live life as it's intended and not under the shadow of insecurity. You deserve all the love and happiness in the world, the voice answered. How do you know so much about me? I asked. I have known you for a very long time, Lisa. I even know when and where your feelings of inadequacy started, the voice said soothingly. You do? I asked curiously. So far, I had not perceived any sinister motive from the voice. Yes, Lisa. It all started when you were 10 years old. You prepared a sandwich for your parents' lunch, and they rejected it, claiming you had not made it properly. As minute as it may seem, this experience has defined all your experiences to this point. Since that time, you have been feeling inadequate in everything you have done. Sports, arts, dancing, theater, cleaning the house. Getting A's in school made you feel better. Since that moment in your life, it has been as though a never-ending void had been created in your mind. You have never felt you were good enough since then, the voice concluded. I began to consider all the voice was saying, and it started to make sense to me. That is why my first three boyfriends left me. I always have felt inadequate, until Steve and I started dating. Once I became pregnant, I moved in with him. Until today, I always felt like he would walk up to me one day and tell me he doesn't love me anymore, I thought out loud. Enough is enough. It is time to stop trying to please everyone else, the voice said with authority. I woke up with a start. I immediately looked around me, but I did not see anyone. I stood up and reached for my things. I felt strangely at peace and far better than I had in a very long time. It was then that I switched on my phone and saw that Maggie had left several voicemails. I decided to call her back. I had to tell someone about the weird dream I just had. She picked up on the first ring, and after assuring her that I was fine, I told her about my dream. She was still at work, so we agreed to meet later in the week to talk in detail about it. I went back to where I had left my car and drove home, humming a song under my breath.
Chapter 4 The New Lisa I drove straight home from the park, hoping that the children would still be with my mother. Upon entering the house and having confirmed that I was alone, I went to the shelves where we kept the picture albums and started thumbing through them. It was then that I realized something. Over the years, my insecurity about my appearance and inadequacy had made me relegate myself to the background, and it was very evident in every picture, from birth pictures to all the trips we had taken over the years. Steve was at the center of it all. He was the prominent one in every picture, and I looked like I wanted to vanish in the background. On a whim, I decided to check the clinic's website. I typed the address and went to the Our Team section and saw that everyone was listed, except for me. I had allowed the inadequacy to eat deep into both my relationships at home and at work. As I thought about the dream I had earlier this afternoon, I became convinced that it was indeed God talking to me in the park. I decided right there and then that I would work on my life. I was going to make some serious changes, starting with my mind and appearance. I was going to redirect my life towards God and see Him as my best friend. I took out a pen and some paper and started listing all the things I knew I needed to urgently change. And one of them was my relationship with Steve. Even after living together for up to five years with two children, we were still dating and not officially married. It was partly my fault, though. I never wanted to talk about it. However, I decided I was going to change it that night. I called my mother and asked her if the children could stay over at her place for the night. She agreed. Then I waited for Steve to come home. Hi, Steve, I said as soon as he came through the door. I wasn't going to let myself get distracted. I had to tell him how I felt. Hi, love. How was your day? He asked as he dropped his bag. It was perfect, I replied. Where are the children? He asked curiously. They are at my mother's place, I told him. I need to talk to you, Steve. Okay, about what? He asked curiously. Our situation. We have been together for five years now and we even have two children together. I know that we have talked about it many times, and my replies so far have not been encouraging, but I think I am ready. We should officially get married, I concluded. I saw his face go from surprised to pleased, and I watched as he came rushing towards me. I thought you would never agree. I have been waiting so long to hear that, he said with a smile on his face. That's not all, Steve. I have decided to take control of my life and go back to school to get an actual degree. There will be a lot of changes around here and I will need your support, I said. Wow, Lisa, that's awesome, he said, with genuine happiness evident on his face. I will do anything to support you. I love you, Lisa. As he pulled me in for a hug, I replied, I love you too, Steve, and I settled into his warm embrace. Three years later. I look back at my life in the past three years, especially to that day at the park where I had the dream. My life has changed a whole lot since then. At the age of 33, I can confidently say that I have everything I ever wished for. 
I have an awesome relationship with God, with my husband and children, with my parents, and even had friends now. Gone is the Lisa that thought she was inadequate and did not believe in herself. In her place was the new Lisa, who takes her life into her hands and makes something beautiful out of it. Three years later, I had earned my degree in biochemistry technology. With my acknowledged thesis that I titled Alpha Skin Cells, I graduated with honors at the top of my class. My old boss, Dr. Rhodes, read about my success in a magazine and reached out to me. He offered me a job in the clinic and also pledged to pay for my PhD. Everything is different now, even at home. We moved into our own house and the children are equally doing well. And Steve, he's the most supportive and caring man any woman could ask for. He prays with me and for me. He is always there to encourage me. He is my biggest cheerleader. I am now confident. I no longer cringe at talking to people, shopping for clothing, or making decisions. It took a long time, but I was finally able to overcome my feelings of inadequacy. I could not help but acknowledge that everything has been hinged on my relationship with God. He answers all my prayers and constantly assures me that He is there with me every step of the way. Now, as a renowned biochemistry technologist, I am very well on my way to creating a new test that reveals a unique self-producing tissue in individuals that would help people with a weak immune system. My research is going to help a lot of people and save a lot of lives. It has even gained prominence to the extent that some of my studies were analyzed in Harvard during the summer of 2019. My life turned out for the better because one day, the voice I needed to hear spoke to me. That message came because I am loved and that message comes to you now to tell you that you are loved, this time through my own voice.